The story of the healing of the blind man is a very familiar story to Christians. It has been written about for millennia from many different angles. First, there's the question of sin through the generations. While Jesus does not lay blame on anyone, neither the man himself nor his parents, it's clear to see that some individual and societal sins affect generation after generation. Spousal abuse can cause dysfunction for generations until some brave person breaks the cycle. Wars that devastate countries and their peoples heavily impact the children and often the children's children. And then this story has much to say about darkness and light. Those who live according to the way that Jesus brings live forever in the light of God. Those like the Jews and the Pharisees who drive this man out of the life of the community live in the darkness because they refuse to acknowledge God's loving ways. This text speaks, too, about the healing powers of Jesus, the way that he, rather strangely, makes a paste from mud and saliva to heal the man's sight. This particular act of healing involves the dirt of the ground and the waters of the pool of Siloam. Once again, the very spiritual Jesus of the Gospel of John reveals his strong connection with the solidity of the earth. All these commentaries are fascinating and offer a great deal to help us as we try to better follow the ways of Christ. I want, though, to focus on just one brief sentence that Jesus says in this long text, when he is asked who sinned to cause the man's blindness. Jesus' comment is, He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. Incidentally, it is the disciples, ever lacking in understanding, who ask the question about sin. You can't really blame them for, for asking this question, since the Jews of the time believed that the rich were rich because they had received God's favor. The flip side of this was that those who were poor or who had serious challenges to overcome were thought to have sinned and so caused this trouble to come upon themselves or their children. But Jesus says that the man is blind to reveal the works of God. Jesus heals him, revealing God's healing power, confirming Jesus as the Son of God and the Messiah. But Jesus doesn't say that he is healing him to reveal God's works. He says the blind man was born this way to reveal God's works. This man is somewhat unusual. This story is rather unusual as healing stories go. It's very long. A whole chapter of John is dedicated to it, and a long chapter at that, 41 verses. While the man is poor, he's referred to as a beggar, he seems to be well-versed in religious knowledge. He is absolutely certain that his belief, that in his belief, that Jesus is the prophet, a man of God, and not a sinner, as the Pharisees charge. This man may have been blind, but the truth is not hidden from him, and he has no doubt that the miracle he has experienced is a healing gift from God. God's works are revealed in his healing, but they are also undeniably revealed in this man's faith, his honesty his reverence for the absolute truth in the face of threat, 
and in his unquestioning belief in the divine nature of Jesus Christ. Indeed, the light of God shines forth in this man from beginning to end of this story. After Jesus smears mud on his eyes, he appears able to go by himself to find the pool of Siloam, where he washes the mud from his eyes and has his sight restored. When he is questioned about the miracle that Jesus performed, when people seem to keep on doubting the miracle, he insists, yes, that's me. I'm the one. I was blind and Jesus healed me. It's really me. He holds absolutely fast to his testimony and to his belief that the work that Jesus did for him was a divine miracle. From the details we are given, we learn something interesting about the way this man has been raised by his parents. Now there is sometimes a tendency for those among us who regard ourselves as fully abled to pity those who have a disability, and sometimes to want to do things for them that they are able to do for themselves. Clearly, some of the people in this story feel that along with a physical disability goes mental incapacity, and they seek out the man's parents to verify the miracle. The parents' response is wonderful. He's a grown man. Ask him. He'll speak for himself. This blind man's parents acknowledge his competence, his wholeness, and his ability to tell his own story. Those Jewish people whom John criticizes for not accepting Jesus bring the man to the Pharisees, the keepers of the law who feel threatened by Jesus' very presence among them. They badger the man, try to get him to call Jesus a sinner. They were probably insinuating that Jesus used some kind of evil magic to accomplish this miracle, or that he called upon the dark powers. They threaten and intimidate him. They certainly had significant power over his life and his well-being. It was no small thing to be thrown out of the synagogue and the community. In modern terms, it meant being driven out of town and not allowed to return. His source of income is cut off. He is separated from his family, and he loses the right to worship in the synagogue. Yet, he continues to insist that Jesus is a prophet sent from God. He knows the truth, and he will not be shaken in his belief. Neither will he hide the truth by sidestepping the issue or telling people what they want to hear while secretly holding on to his belief in Jesus. For him, bringing the truth into the light of day is more important than his fears of rejection, excommunication, loss of livelihood and family. God's truth is all that matters to him in the world, and he upholds that truth in the face of serious and potentially life-threatening opposition. This is how God's works are revealed in the blind man. There is much conversation about the truth in the life of our nation right now, there are those who hold power, or who are close to power, who seem to have a flexible understanding of what truth is. 
This is a very dangerous situation for our country and our world. When the truth is hidden or expanded or cast into doubt, serious harm can be done. The confusion of the truth is not the way that God's works are revealed in humankind. Think back, if you will, to South Africa in the terrible and shameful period of apartheid. There was little truth to be found among the powerful rulers. Dissenters frequently met with so-called accidents while in police custody. People disappeared. The untruth that the separation of the races was a godly notion was perpetuated by many, and even to their shame, by many churches. When apartheid came to a peaceful end, the new government of South Africa brought about healing through a body known as the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Only when the truth was told about murder, intimidation, and decades of brutal oppression could healing begin to take place. God's works were surely revealed when victims came face to face with perpetrators of violence and when the truth was spoken at last, instead of lies, evasions, and cover-ups. We must not slip, as a nation and as a church, into acceptance of anything less than 100% of God's truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He did not say, I am the half-truth. Did you notice in our scripture that Jesus seeks out the blind man again after he has been driven out? Jesus does not leave him once he has been rejected by his so-called friends. I like to think that Jesus welcomed him into the circle of his own followers and gave him meaningful work to do spreading the gospel. God's light shines through the blind man in his constant insistence on the truth. Hold fast to that truth. Hold fast to the truth of the gospel and to the gospel of truth. Even when it is unpopular to stand up for what is right and true, remember that the truth shall set you free. As you discern and uphold God's truth, you may be sure that the works of God are revealed in you also. Whatever our level of ability, with all our failings and shortcomings, with all our sins, both personal and corporate, know that we are created. We are born in God's image, and the only thing we are required to do in this life is to allow the works of God to shine forth from us. We may be sinful, but we are also glorious. We are God's beautiful, loving, beloved, competent children, and our very souls should always, always reveal the works of God. Alleluia and Amen.